0: Welcome to episode 40 of Finding Middle Path, a podcast about all things DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, and the resources around it. I'm your host, Rachel Juhlstrom, and I'm a licensed professional counselor in the Kansas City area. We have an office in Blue Springs where we see people in person, and then we also see people via telehealth in all of Missouri and all of Kansas. So please, if you want to work with us, find us at findingmiddlepath.com. Now today we are going to continue to talk about dialectics. This is where we're actually going to show how we apply it to our life, show the conflicts that arise and the conflicts that again are in our mind. So stick with us as we continue to talk all things DBT. Welcome back to episode 40. Man, I feel like we have done quite a bit, some milestone that we're semi reaching. I know not quite 50 yet, but we will get there. Um, so as you remember from whenever I set out the whole image of what this was gonna look like in the beginning is that we were gonna run through all of the DBT skills all of the four modules together, and of course, wrap it up with dialectics and talk about the practicality of things. And of course, along the way, interweave resources that I utilize with my clients. And once we get through all of the DBT and the dialectics piece, we're gonna start to talk about what other kind of therapies really do integrate well with DBT and even talk with other practitioners who use DBT in their practice and and really explore how they might say things or teach things a little differently because i welcome i welcome as much impact as we can have so if you want to work with us please send us a dm on our facebook uh, or our instagram and i'd love to talk with you more about being a guest on our podcast now here's the thing We have been talking about dialectics, and dialectics feels somewhat boring to some people because, again, it's that fancy word, and I want that practical application. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're talking about that practical application that I crave so much as just an individual who's learning and as also what my clients want as well. So practical application is really highlighting the thought patterns, the things that we're not quite recognizing yet, but we're going to bring awareness to. We're going to identify the conflicting thoughts that show up and then how to, again, start to train our brain to think differently with that. The resource that I'm going to use the majority of today, it's not just going to be the Marsha Linehan resources that we've been using along the way. I, again, have other great resources and so today we're going to use Lane Peterson's workbook that he has. If you don't know anything about Lane Peterson, don't worry. I have a a podcast coming up soon that describes who he is, what he does, and a lot more. And boy, it'd be fabulous if we could get Lane on the show and talk more about DBT and his program and his structure and kind of his passion for DBT. But anyways, he has a a second edition, of course, expanded dialectical behavior therapy skills training manual, which is very similar to, uh, Marsha Linehan's spiral bound as well. And he, he goes through and teaches DBT a little bit different of a flow than I do. I think as I've shared with you, I teach mindfulness, distress tolerance slash crisis intervention skills emotion regulation, interpersonal effectiveness, and again, interweave dialectics, and then really talk about what walking middle path looks like at the very end. And again, that's that those deal that dialectical principles we were applying to our life. And we're really trying to challenge that thinking we've done so much work um, on all the other skills, and of course, regulation, um, and the dialectical principles, this feels a little bit easier for me to ingest. And I say me because the way I teach things is how I learn them. And what makes most sense to me just in practical sense. If you talk with Marsha Linehan, she of course goes a little bit differently in how she teaches things. She does start off with mindfulness. Um, There are other resources and books out there that start a little differently. It doesn't matter. It's whatever fits your brain the best. Find that flow. Um, If you need to start with emotion regulation and understanding your emotions and starting to regulate them and validating them, man, what a great jumping off point as well. There's no wrong way. This is why when we do skills group, you're welcome to jump in at any point. There's not really a starting place you have to start in DBT. Um, You will eventually learn all the skills, yet this is how, from start to finish, I work with my clients and where I guide them and kind of lead them along the way. Don't get me wrong, there are opportunities for us to jump around and utilize them when life events that pop up, we use that. I find that that helps a lot better in the learning process, but that's, again, another opportunity to use the skills. There's no right or, or wrong way. So a quick reminder of dialectics, when I explain it to my clients, I say, this is when we have two truths that happen at the same time. And oftentimes we're trying to choose between, but remember with dialectics, we're noticing that both are true and it's okay that they're both happening. Um, so the example that I use the most, and one of the first ones I was taught was about your heart. And we said this last time the heart does multiple things. First of all, it pumps all the blood into your body and it also holds all the love in your heart, right? And As cheesy as it may sound, it's true. It's allowed to do two things at the same time and that are actually very important. And so that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the validity here. Remember, being in the dialectical thinking or in that middle path is not about being wishy-washy being a chameleon it's more about understanding both truths and trying to find the the synthesis to both of them where does it feel the most complete and for me that's where it is going to be uncomfortable because remember we've been taught for so long that it's either or and whenever we have this this integration of both It feels somewhat uneasy at first, like I have to choose. Um, But as we continue to go through it, we understand that actually both are possible and and, in due time, oftentimes they do work themselves out. So let's go through some of the just normal conflicts that we have within ourselves. And that's really those thought conflicts that we've had for so long. The very first one is, again, structure versus freedom. Oftentimes we feel, and we talked a lot about this last time, when I overdo it, when I over plan and I feel as if I need to have uh, my day laid out in 30 minute increments and I plan when I'm going to go to the bathroom, whatever it may be, whatever kind of structure you can think of. Again, we talk about this in dieting as well, whenever I feel as if I need to overanalyze everything I eat every calorie every carb whatever it might be that can only sustain itself for so long and 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 definitely not to lean into diet culture at all but most of them will also say it's not sustainable to stay at such an intensity for the you know you may have start somewhere for the first few weeks but it's really hard to continually do that the plans are never to stay you know, oh, you're going to have less than 28 carbs for the rest of your life, right? That's that extremes that are very dangerous. And oftentimes when we're in such extremes of, of, uh, of all that structure, we want to, again, as I said last time, we want to slingshot into the other one where I'm free. I don't, I don't worry about anything I put into my mouth. I don't, worry about my day or my schedule. I just go with the flow and I forget things. I overbook myself. I I I become mindless in whatever I eat, whatever it may be, and it's that again the slingshot where I'm going over the middle path. I'm arching over versus if I stay in the middle, I can say, you know what? How can I structure my day or maybe automate automate my day. We talk so much about having just those basic things throughout the day that help to automate your day. And you go, you know what? Maybe I'll just try and have the same thing every day for lunch or something around about that. And yet I'll be flexible if someone invites me to lunch, or I'll be okay. And I, it again, we start to develop these different patterns of thinking um, with with our time, with our food, and we start to see it more as, oh, I have lots of control here and I can even just be okay with the moment or this um, this section of my day and, and be most effective in this time versus feeling the need to, to struggle between, again, structure versus freedom. I, I really am curious where some of you struggle with the structure versus freedom concept. Is this something that you see with money? Is this something that you see with um, with household chores? And and do you see these, these waves that happen in your life of, I feel as if um, I'm really on top of it at one point and then things just fall off. And again, if we're not cautious, we start to fall into this Oh my goodness, there's something wrong with me. I don't know what's going on versus this, you know, grace that can happen and say, well, today, today, I'm just not feeling it. And, and so what's the bare minimum that I can do? Another conflict that arises is, and we see this again with anyone who has those big emotions is being too private versus being an open book. And I think we struggle, and this is where I'm so glad many of you have been through interpersonal effectiveness, and we're starting to understand these boundaries and these, um, almost these realms or these stages where people are in our, our life. So we're not all or nothing you're in and you know, everything about my life, you know, all the personal details, um, or you're completely out, you're toxic. I can't have you in my life. Oh my goodness. So as we can see, that's a very isolating understanding of just any relationship. Um, it puts so much weight on certain relationships and it almost burns out some of our friendships as I'm sure some of us have, have been through before where we put so much emphasis and so much need in that relationship that the other person becomes emotionally burnt out. And then we start to develop old thought patterns of I'm not worthy of love I'm I'm toxic oh they're toxic I don't know why I developed it's all of the negative thinking that comes along with just relationships versus if I understand that my core people are actually going to be a couple of different people we try to spread it out at three max Uh, every now and then there might be one or two wax and wane, but really the people who know the most about our life the inner workings the stuff that we're struggling with the people that we can call and, and talk to you on a bad day, that's going to be a very small amount of people. And again, we have another circle outside of that of people who we're close to, but they might not know everything. And oftentimes we struggle with what does that feel like and really developing strong, good emotional boundaries. And oftentimes we've grown up in a toxic home that has said, You need to tell me everything. If you don't tell me everything, you're lying or you're, you're being so secretive that, and so private that you, you must, you must really be up to no good. And it's, that's very toxic thinking. Remember, privacy is important. Secrets can be dangerous. Remember that there is a difference between secrets that people ask you to hold and Um, and what that might be versus privacy is these are my inner thoughts these are things that um, i don't necessarily want to share with everyone stuff i'm struggling with that i may want to talk about with my my spouse or with a counselor or a family member that i feel close with a good friend whatever it might be someone that i feel like i can be more intimate with i also can slingshot over and just find random people and start telling them about my day And that also feels emotionally exposing. And I even often have like an emotional hangover and think, oh my gosh, I might be crazy. If I'm too closed off, then I'm also putting myself in a position where people will say, I'm not interested. I don't want anything to do with them. They seem so cold. And then that's also seen as a rejection, which is again, not what we're looking for long-term. We're looking to put ourselves out there a little and knowing what those boundaries look like is pretty important. The next two are kind of synonymous. And that is doing your best and needing to do better. Remember, there are often times where we see that I, I have to just do my absolute best or I'm not going to be liked. I'm going to get fired from my job. I'm not going to feel successful. And that that kind of thinking it is, again, it's very entrapping. It puts me in a situation that if I don't get something done, at the end of the day, I can't look back at all my success versus um, really shifting gears and and saying, you know, if I want to do better, what does that really look like for me? This is why I really enjoy doing smart goals with clients and saying, you know, your ultimate goal needs to be those those five things, you know. Specific, measurable, attainable, um, reliable, and of course, in a timely manner. Again, simple, smart goals. And if we have a situation where I don't really know what needing to do better looks like, then I always feel like I'm losing out or I'm disappointing others. And it's this like terrible back and forth in my mind versus let's, again, challenge that thinking and say, all right, what's the valid? The valid is maybe I want to do better because, um, and what is better? What, it, what is the specifics of that, right? So better might be, well, I want to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and start going for a run because I want better health, right? Doesn't that feel much more specific and attainable and, and understandable. And we can find the, the valid in that and why it's so important to us. Again, it might be one of our, our core values is health and we're not honoring that. And again, that's going to help to help us feel better about feeling more in control of our body and decreased depression and anxiety. Again, this is that pattern where we see, oh, the, the, the trickle down effect is much more effective versus I just need to do better puts me in a stuck position it's so um, again it, it puts us in a, a spot where I don't really know what better looks like I have to have a, a, a more specific outline of that the other would be again doing my best well what is your best let's really define what that looks like if my best and I feel really good at the end of the day that I, um, I was able to do 20 minutes of working out, then that is, again, something that makes me feel like it's attainable. Also, if we go back to uh, one of the great resources that I've not integrated in yet, which is Atomic Habits, it talks about that when you're first starting that road to improvement, really starting off with small, small goals. And sometimes they even talk about a minute a day of this new thing that you wanna try. And so a minute is much more, it's again, it's that moving the line just a little bit And it says one, one minute a day of whatever habit you're trying to change is better than no minutes doing it. Right. And again, that might be your definition, your definition, and you might have a goal of minutes that you want to work up to that feels so much more attainable and attractive and your mind doesn't go, what? That's not specific. It needs that definition. It needs that, that logical, that reasonable side. It also needs to have the internal motivator. Again, the The change piece is also the emotional piece at times. And it says, the reason I want to change is because I want to align myself with the value of mine, right? So this is really good stuff. Like Lane has a couple different examples of all the different ways and all the different Identifiers of that dialectical conflicts that we've had for so long, and it's important for you to recognize which are the ones that come up. So, really looking at is it that all or nothing thinking that I've applied to so many areas of my life? Is it caring for others while still ma- maintaining boundaries? Is it seeing only pros or only cons of a situation? Or is it the want tos versus the how tos? I mean, again. Lane does a fabulous job. I highly recommend this book and and I'll put it as a resource in our blog, but it's important for you to sit down and really work over this thought pattern. It's again, those big, those big impacts that we're looking for for something small. And whenever we're doing DBT, oftentimes in, t- in order to take some of the intensity out of things, we start with just simple, observation and if I can just observe what behavior I am doing and understand my baseline sometimes that leads to those changes and so if I start to just notice that I maybe use the terms could shouldn't would in my thinking or if I use those extreme vocabularies such as all or nothing and never and moving into well sometimes and Um, most of the times, again, it's, it's just nice to really do the small little changes and also integrating the word and versus or, or, but man, this is good stuff. If you want us to continue to talk about dialectics, I would be happy to, there's so much more about it. Again, that's the whole premise of dialectical behavior therapy. And we want you to figure out what middle path really looks like for you and what it starts to feel like. Yes, it is a physical response. It's that gut response that we have to just start to develop more of. Remember, practice makes perfect. And that's why we're trying to open our awareness and get you thinking about many of these different types of dialectical conflicts that arise. Well, thank you again for listening in today. Um, We have an episode that comes out every Friday. Remember, this is not a replacement for therapy i want you to find a therapist in your area there are great resources like psychology today there's even a great resource that's just recently come out called monarch where you can go and you can find a a therapist in your area you can book online immediately with them it's a a wonderful resource they will tell you all the insurances their costs if they have whenever their next availability is it's so much simpler than having to feel like you need to call around and even see who's taking new clients. I love psychology today, but sometimes that's half of the issue is reaching out and using things um, such as, you know, I have to call and email versus it's nice to see on Monarch that you can go on and see who has immediate openings and who takes your insurance. Um, Or who doesn't, who has interns or who has a sliding scale, vice versa. There's also Open Path Collective, which is a lower cost option, and I always want to make you aware of community mental health in your area. Remember, we see people online in Kansas and in Missouri, so be sure to reach out to us. Find us at findingmiddlepath.com. Now, I want to make you aware that suicide awareness and mental health awareness is huge. Our next episode will be about seeing the signs of those who unfortunately are plagued by suicide we want you to know the signs and be an advocate yourself remember we are here for you do not feel alone we want to be your ally on the days that just feel so overwhelming you don't know what to do suicide is such a permanent solution to temporary problems and I don't mean to devalue those I want you to know we can help you build a life worth living this is why we do what we do. We love you so much. We just want, we just really want, you to know, we love you so much and we're here for you. Reach out. Thank you everyone for listening in today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk with you next time. Bye-bye.